0: Well, somebody once said this that your past is just a story, and once you realize this, it has no power over your life. And you know, when I read that, I thought, like, really? Um, because I know my past, and that's just not the case. Um, I mean, is that what it boils down to? I just have to realize that my life is some generic story, that there's actors and players in it. And if I just manage to do that, then the trauma that I experience somehow won't impact me the way that it does, that um, the, the broken relationships that I have somehow won't. Um, you know, <laughs> devastate um, my life in ways that they do from time to time. Is, is that the case? And, and, and I realized that it's really not. That, you know, my life is a story and, and my past is a story, but it's not just any story. It's my story. Right, And there's things that, that I've done that I'm really ashamed of, um, and there's things that, that I've done that, that are embarrassing, that there's things that I've done that I regret, and, and there's things that, that I've done that, that if I could go back, I would do them differently. I really would, but those things still impacted my life. And, and I know this, had I surrendered to God, he would have had things happen differently. He he would have guided me differently and and my story would be different. But in spite of all that, God's word says that he uses everything to his glory, right? And so those things did mold and shape me and have an impact on me today. I know this, there's things that happened to me, right, that other people did that that I played no part in. that, That if I could change all of that, I would, but I can't run from it. I can't hide from it. I can't pretend it didn't happen, right? Those things are are, are moments in my life. They're, they're chapters in, in in my book, in, in my story. And, and whether I like them or not, whether I'm embarrassed or, or wish they wasn't there, um, that's beside the point. They've helped create this version of me. They helped to lead me to this moment in my life. And if I go on trying to pretend like my life is just some story that that I can just be indifferent to, then, then I'm missing out on something. And sometimes I'm missing out on the thing that God God wants me to know. Sometimes I'm missing out on the thing that God wants me to do. And and again, God's word tells us that that he'll use everything according to his good, those that that love him and serve him, right? That means that even those things that he didn't cause, that he would have done differently, that, that he still leverages those in our life. And so your past is not just a story, it's your story. It's your story. And sometimes it seems that no matter how much we work to distance ourselves, from what happened, those memories seem to be resurrected from time to time. And if we're not careful, we allow ourselves to be defined by the things of the past. I know for so long, that, that was me. And, and we all have different stories, right? Um, we, we grew up in different places, in different neighborhoods. We had different friends. Um, some of us were victimized and we had trauma. And some of us, not so much. Um, but, but this is what's true. We live in a broken world. We live in in a sinful world full of broken people, and because of that, every single one of us in this room, without a doubt, I know, has something that's painful, something that's tragic, something that's impacted them that from time to time rears its ugly head, and from time to time impacts our present, and from time to time, the enemy tries to convince us that that's who we are. That's all we'll ever amount to. Um, I know me, I, I grew up in, in Katusa, not far from here. And I grew up in a neighborhood that I'm not too fond of. And, and that, to me, was a label that I, I wore for a long time. And then because I grew up without what other people had, then, then I considered myself to be poor white trash from the wrong side of the tracks, right? And, and that was just, that was my top. That, that was it. And, and your story, again, could be something completely different. But the enemy seeks in all of us to limit us and to define us, and to take away the identity and the purpose that God's given us. We see it from the beginning, right? The beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden, the thing that, that, God, that uh, Satan attacked was God's word and, and, and their identity. And we see it with Jesus in the wilderness, right? That Satan attacked God's word and, and attacked Jesus' identity. And, and that same lie that's from the beginning is the same lie that, that we encounter today. And in, in our story our story, it's our story. And it's something that we have to stop running from and, and at times embrace. And, and through it, we can see the goodness of God. When, when I see what I've come from, the things that I've done, and the fact that God uses me today, that's beautiful. That's nothing to run from, that's nothing to hide from. When I see my broken past and all the terrible things that, that I've done that the enemy says makes me not good enough, and, and I see what God does with it today, man that glorifies God, that honors God, right? And, and the enemy wants to steal that from us. And so we have to begin to look at our stories completely different. The past, the past is a good reminder of where we came from and how good God is. Again, it's a good reminder of how good God is. It is not a good indicator of where we're going or our potential. When your past is allowed to dominate your present, it stifles your ability to pursue God's plan and purpose for your future. Um, I know when I, when even when I stepped into ministry, um, I wasn't raised in church, right? I didn't have that type of background, and I thought I could never do anything for God. Um, and then I had broken relationships. You know, I had this Jerry Springer moment going on where I had like two baby mamas, and it was way just out there. And I was like, oh, I can never be married, right? This is just who I am. Um, I just, I'm just broken families, broken stories. I can never have a good wife and have a good family. <laughs> I put God in a box because of this broken story that I had, right? And the enemy, man, he, he leveraged it in incredible ways to keep me pr- from pursuing the things that God had for me. And even when I met my wife and that door began to open up, I had so much anxiety that somehow I would screw it up because that's what I am, right? I'm a screw-up, I'm a failure, I, I'm, an, I'm a divorcee. Uh oh, man, I'm, I'm all of these things and there's no way that this great thing that God has for me can be for me. Because the enemy had convinced me of a lie. And the enemy likely has convinced you of one too. Tonight's message is titled this, Unchained from Our Past. And what I want to talk about is unchaining ourselves from the baggage of past mistakes, choices, and trauma. Um, Because as we've journeyed, every single one of us has failed. Probably multiple times. And if you're me, (laughs) you've lost count. And and, and we've got to begin to unhitch ourselves from that, right? Stop carrying it around with us. Stop dragging it from relationship to relationship to job to job to community to community. Some of you drag it from church to church, right? You've got this baggage you show up with. You get offended and you leave and you go on to the next place. And we've got to stop that. We've got to break the cycle. We've got to unchain ourselves from the past. So how does somebody get there? You know, this was, uh, for me... um, that perplexing question, right? How do I change who I am? How do I change my story, right? I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired and, and I didn't know how to get there. Like, what do I do? Um, because I see other people and, and they seem to have some level of success and, and joy and um, good marriages or whatever it may be. And I was like, man, how do, how do I do that? How do I get away from this? Years, I had 18 years in addiction. I've committed more felonies than I can count, right? And and sometimes I, I I'm worried about the statute of limitations on things and and you know that kind of stuff, right? And it's like, I man, how do I get away from this? And. And Charles Spurgeon, he said this, and if you don't know who he is, he was like the people's preacher. So you should look him up. Um, God used him in incredible ways. One of the things that I like about him is he was, he was undereducated, um, which I kind of relate to as a high school dropout. One of those other baggage things that I had to navigate in life, right? Um, and Charles Spurgeon, he said this the most important daily habit we can possess is to remind ourselves of the gospel. The most important daily habit that we can possess is to remind ourselves of the gospel. And I think it's so funny that oftentimes as we grow in the things of God, um, we kind of set the basic gospel message to the side as if it's not for mature believers. And that's not, that's not true at all. Like That's the thing that we should keep in front of us daily. That, that basic truth of what Jesus has done for us, the gospel message, this is the key to getting victory over your past. You must continually remind yourself of the gospel because being reminded of the gospel, um, we are reminded of these life-altering truths that there's a God that loves us. There's a God that sees us. There, there's a God that, that, that takes away the weight of our past mistakes and our sins, right, that transforms us, makes us a new person and a new creation. There's nothing more beautiful than the message of redemption as told through Jesus on the cross, and, and we can't lose sight of it. It's the thing that every morning that we've got to recognize because every day... The enemy goes around like a lion looking to seek and devour, right? If you were um, in, in church service on Sunday, um, Pastor Rick um, talked about that passage in John that, that, that says, man, that that's what he's looking for, that open door. And being reminded of the gospel every day, again, reminds us that that's not who we are anymore, that, that he has no access there, that he has no, no victory there, that, that Jesus has conquered it all. And we have to remind ourselves again of that daily. I want to say this. Um, nice message, um, I have an agenda. Um, again, we spent a lot of money on snow cones and all of that because I wanted to get some of you here that, that maybe not heard this. Um, and, and there's those of you that maybe have been in church for a long time, and, and this is not going to be news to you, but um, I want you to know that, that if you're here tonight and, and you don't believe and you, you seriously showed up because you wanted a free dinner, I'm so grateful for that. But I want you to know that I sat in a seat just like you. And, and I was distant from God just like you. And I didn't believe any of the things coming out of the pastor's mouth just like you. But I want you to know this. When, when I leaned into it and began to recognize that there's truth here, that, that story that I wanted changed so badly changed. It changed so dramatically that, that my family thought something was wrong with me. How beautiful is God, right? As so we have to keep this gospel message in front of us. Conversely, if past failures dominate, right? If we lose sight of the gospels and we allow past failures to dominate us, we increasingly see ourselves through the lens of sin and through the lens of failure. That, that we can raise our hand, we can have a confession of faith, we can lean into the things of God. Um, but if we go home and we lose sight of what God's done, then you're going to go make a mistake. You're you're gonna walk out of these doors and you're gonna miss it somewhere because we all do from time to time. And then the enemy is gonna use that as entrance and say, you're just a screw up. You're just a failure. You're just a sinner. You're just as broken as you were last week. And that's a lie because when you accept the truth, we're changed on the inside, right? Renewed spiritually and given time, (laughs) that rebirth that took place, begins to show itself on the outside. But we've got to drop that lens of past failures and past mistakes and lean into the truth of God's word. The apostle Paul, he said this in Romans. Romans 8 verse 33. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. Say no one. No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. This is such an incredible truth because the, th- the truth of the matter is that we allow ourselves to receive accusations from people in our lives all the time. And sometimes they come from those close to us. Let you in on a little secret. Uh, my wife and I, we fight sometimes, um, you know, and, and some of them um, like belong on HBO. Like it's, it's no good. It's no good. And, and sometimes we say things to each other that, that are hurtful, right, because um, nobody knows Janelle better than me. And, and that means nobody knows her failures better than I know them and her shortcomings better than I know them. And sometimes I allow the enemy to use me and I speak to brokenness in her life, right? I accuse her. And, and she can lean into that and carry that and be wounded by it, which happens where she can lean into the truth of God. And sometimes, one time, one time my wife said something hateful to me. That was it, just the one time. Um, (laughs) And I had the same opportunity, right? And so sometimes it comes from people we love. Sometimes it comes from coworkers, family members, parents. You may have grown up in a home where your mother and, and your father said things to you on a regular basis, made accusations, you're nothing but a failure, You're nothing but a mistake. I wish you weren't born. And those things are accusations. But here it says, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. No one. No one. No one one accuses us. No accusation sticks. For God himself, creator God, has given us right standing with him. That's made right. Past, removed, set free from our sins. It continues. It says, Who then will condemn us? Has anyone ever received condemnation from the people in our lives? And and I know this, that, that oftentimes some of the most condemning things, again, come from those that are closest to me because they know what a messed up person I am. But who? Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us, pleading for us. This is the truth of the gospel, the thing that we need to keep in front of us all the time. Because accusations come from from our present, accusations come from our past, that that people seek to accuse us, that, that we have a very real enemy seeking to devour us, rob us of our identity, rob us of our purpose. And we gotta be reminded that that God has put us in right standing, that, that Jesus, the son of God, pleads for us, advocates for us to his father. The past can become one big accusation, constantly reminding us of our failures. It continues in verse 35, it says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Uh, I know, again, for me, my biggest problem coming into the faith is that there was no way that if there was a God that he would forgive the terrible things that I'd done and the things that I'd said and my behaviors. And, And I thought, surely, surely I was too far gone and too broken to be loved by God. And he says, Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or endangered or threatened with death? As the scripture say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, say no. No, No, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. We've got to remind ourselves of that message. There's, there's nothing in that, that closet full of skeletons that separates us from the love of God, that keeps us from pursuing his purpose for us, his plan for us, or experiencing his love and his grace. No, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who's loved us. Tonight, I want to look at three things that as Jesus followers, we should remind ourselves of daily. To start tonight, um, we're going to be in 1 Peter, starting in chapter 2, verse 7. Uh, I want to remind you, if, if you don't have a Bible with you, we put all of our notes on the YouVersion Bible app. You can download that. Go to the events tabs, um, everything on the screen, um, plus some other notes are in there as well. Um, again, First Peter, though. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 7. It says, yes. You who trust him, recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders has rejected has become the cornerstone. And, and so here Peter's talking about a couple of things. One, those of you who trust and recognize him, that's Jesus followers. Those of us who have gotten off of the fence, right, and leaned into the things of God, um, you, you recognize the honor given him. Um, but there's those that reject him, those that are on the opposite side. And it says this, the stone that the builders has rejected has become the cornerstone stone. And so here he's talking about Jesus, right? And if we look at a cornerstone and a foundation um, then, it's what everything was set to, right? It was the first stone laid, it set the entire foundation for the building. And so it's really speaking that Jesus should be that cornerstone in our lives, right? Everything is set to him. And then he goes on and it says, and he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. they stumble because they do not obey God's word. So they meet the fate that was planned for them and so it's not that God's tripping us up um, it's that that we trip up by not obeying God's word right he's given us truth right he's given us a roadmap for life um, life and we have a choice right we can be those who honor God and receive the cornerstone or those who trip and stumble over him it goes on in verse 9 it says but you are not like that you are not like that well who's not like that those of us that, that have leaned into the things of God, that, that would be Jesus followers, Christians, right? Those of us that, that, that bought in and said, you know what? I'm going I'm to give this a go, that, that Jesus is going to be Lord of all. He says, but you were not like that, for you are, are chosen. Say chosen. chosen. Chosen people. For you are chosen. Have you ever thought about that? That that no matter what neighborhood you come from, no matter your family, what your parents did or what they did to you, where you came from, anything like that. When you lean into um, Jesus Christ, when you accept him as your savior, you become God's chosen people. He goes on and says, you are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. There's a lot to unpack there. Chosen people, royal priests, holy nation, God's own possession. Right? Valued, cherished, beloved. It says, as a result, as a result of being chosen, because we we accepted what Jesus had done for us, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you. Say, he called me. He called you. You That we're not here present by accident. Right, that that is only because of the work of the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, orchestrating moments in our lives and drawing us near to Him, that that we experience this. It's no work of our own. It, it's Him, and we we have the choice. We can stumble and fall, or we can receive all that God has for us. But this is this is crazy to me. I was I was a, a drug dealer. I was. Verbally and sometimes physically abusive. I, I was poor white trash. I, w- I was all of the things that society said was disposable. But a very real God had a very different outcome from my story. And he said that I'm chosen. That, that I'm called. right? A royal priest. Holy nation. God's very own possession. My past doesn't say that. But God does, and we carry those things with us. And the enemy tries to leverage it, right, and limit us and rob us of this truth. And it's only when we accept our story for what it is and accept God's grace for what it is that we're able to write a different ending to our story. says, God called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And so when dealing with our past, we must remind ourselves of who we are we must remind ourselves of who we are. We are God's people, not who we were, not what we've done. We're not defined by that, but we must remind ourselves of who we are. And who we are is defined by Jesus. Who we are is defined by, by what He's done for us. And our past, no matter what it says, it has no bearing, has no power. Over what God says. Remind ourselves of who we are. It goes on in verse 10. It says, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. I went through so much of my life, so lost and so broken, not knowing what I should do, what I should be, where I should. I tried tried to define and find myself through so many things. Work, sexual conquests. Drugs and alcohol, money, all of that. And I sought my identity there. I says, you once had no identity. Here's the thing. Without God, we have, we have no purpose, right? We have no identity. And we seek to fill a God-sized hole in our life with whatever we can grab. And that's near. It says, once you had no identity as people, but now you are God's people, once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. He goes on in 11. He said, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. And I put that in there to remind us that, that this is not it. This is not the big game. Man. This is the, the pre-show, right? This is nothing. That this is not what it's about. It's about eternity with God so I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. We have to constantly remind ourselves of how the gospel has transformed our identity. We have to constantly remind ourselves that we don't belong here, that we belong to God. We're temporary residents looking forward to eternity with him. That's our motivation. That's that's our identity. That's our purpose. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 as we look at point number two. 6, 9, um, it says this. This is the apostle Paul talking. Um, Corinthians was one of the letters written to the church in Corinth. Um, It says, don't you realize that those... Who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusives or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And so what he's saying, because Paul was addressing some, some things in the church of Corinth, right? Some sin. And if you were to, to look at the things taking place in, in that church at the time, it really resembles what takes place in our culture today. And so Paul's addressing these things boldly. And he's saying, most who indulge their flesh, right? And when we indulge our flesh, that's saying that, that I'm going to choose to follow my desires over God's will, so just, just imagine that. All the things that he's labeled there, maybe you don't find your sin in there. It's in there. It, it's anytime we, again, indulge our desires over God's will. That's what he's addressing. And he says, um, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because Jesus has to be Lord. We've, we've got to submit to him. That, that's what that's about. We recognize what he's done. We make him Lord. He says, some of you were once like that. Like what? indulging the flesh and the desires and and seeking all of the things that were against God. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So some of us were broken and we received God's mercy and he transformed us. And it's a work in progress right? <laughs> He's still working on things all the time and, and, and chiseling and, and molding and, and shaping. I mean, some of you are still stuck in this. And, and you wonder, why can't I not have a healthy relationship? Why can't I overcome this thing in my life? Why do I keep struggling with, with these desires, these habits, um, these attitudes, right? What, what, what is the deal here? Well, only Jesus can overcome those things in our lives. So some of us were like that, and some of us, again, have been cleansed and were made holy. That's set apart. I love this, made right with God, made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of his God. Um, None of us live up to God's standards, right? We we all need Jesus to, to be made right. And the great lie we tell ourselves sometimes is that somehow our past separates us from other people and makes us worse than them. I know that's the lie I told myself, that, that somehow there was this group of people that, that were just better than me, a different class, and, and I was this outcast. I was lowly and, and broken and too far gone. And I mean, that's not true at all. Everyone's sinned. Everyone's fall sh- fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone needs Jesus, and, and, and we can all receive what he has for us. And so when dealing with our past, we need to remind ourselves of what God has done. That, that same passage, 1 Corinthians 6.11 in the Amplified, it says this, and such were some of you before you believed. So there were some before Jesus, right? And, and that may be you now. Um, but after him, it says this, you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, set apart for God and made holy. You were justified, declared free of guilt, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God, the source of the believer's new life and changed behavior, that, that there's something that we have access to that, that's the work that only God can do. And, and those who knew me before all of this, they would tell you a story of a very broken man that, that failed every day, that was lost in addiction, that was, again, abusive and, and angry and hopeless until I encountered the hope of Jesus. And, and he did a work where it wasn't by any work of mine, but he took away the weight and the penalty of my past so that I could walk in freedom moving forward. And when I began to embrace those things, I realized that, that the only limitation of my life could be put there by Jesus, right? Not my past, not by me, that if I would just lean into him, he would tell me where I would go and what I would do. That that nothing else would define that. And so we got to remind ourselves of what God has done. And maybe you need to recognize tonight what God can do. If you would lean into him, accept what Jesus has done. Lastly, um, I want us to turn to Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, Um, and we're going to begin to to close out tonight. Um, Revelation was written by um, the apostle John. He was the only apostle not to be martyred, and he lived to be old. (laughs) None of the other ones had that opportunity, Um, and this revelation was a revelation from Jesus, and then it says this, "'Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens,' It has come at last, salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser, say accuser, the accuser of the brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And so here in this, it's talking about Satan, Um, and and you may, again, you may be in here and, and not have bought into that, and and I want you to know that there, there's there's very real things that take place in our lives, and, and that that Satan is not just something on the Looney Tunes cartoon, right, where he's torturing, you know Bugs Bunny or whatever it was that we watched, you know, however long ago. It, there's there there's spiritual things that take place, and and there is an enemy that that seeks to devour, and and, and prowls and seeks to to draw us away. And, and what he does is he he. Since these accusations, right? These lies. He, he's, he's a great liar and deceiver. Again, we see him in the beginning lying to Adam and Eve. And we see him with Jesus in the wilderness lying uh, because that's the, only, that's the only power he has over us. That as we accept Jesus, the only thing he can do to us is try to mislead us and get us to buy into something that that's not true. He's the accuser. And, and by leveraging broken places, that Christ has already dealt with, he seeks to convince us of something that's just not true. And, and if I listen to that voice, that voice today will tell me I'm not good enough to do any of the things I do. And then I can listen to God's voice that says, no, you're not, but I've called you to do it anyways, right? I don't care. Nobody's good enough, right? And that's the beauty of it. But, but we, have to, we have to remind ourselves of how Satan works, that if we're gonna deal with our past, We have to remind ourselves that if we're dealing with guilt and shame of things that Christ has dealt with, that doesn't come from Christ, that doesn't come from God, that's a lie of the enemy, uh, seeking to to knock us off course, to to distract us, to destroy us, to get us to give it all up. We have to remind ourselves that that accusations don't come from God. They, They come from the enemy, right? That that deception doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy. That, that God seeks a, a sorrow of repentance that turns us to him. If, if your past causes you to turn away from God, again, that's from the enemy, that, that God seeks to embrace every single one of us. Every single one of us is unworthy of his love, but we receive his grace anyways, right? It, it's available to all of us. And, and, and what God wants us to experience is a broken heart for the things that we've done but a broken heart that causes us to run to him and recognize our need for him. The enemy, Satan, the accuser, wants us to have a broken heart for the things that we've done, but in guilt and shame, go run and hide And, 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 and try to keep ourselves distant from God. Because if he does that, then he keeps us from what God has for us, from his plan, his purpose, his salvation. And so, again, when dealing with our past, we must remind ourselves of how Satan works. Uh, 1 John 2.1, he says this, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Say advocate. An advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly Righteous. You know, when we see accusers, you know, um, I'm sure none of you have ever been in the, the penal system, right, the court system, but um, <laughs> um, there, there's an accuser, right? Typically, it's the DA, man, made up some crap that I did. Um, nonsense, right? Um, and then um, this very expensive attorney, right, is, is advocating on my behalf. And so these accusations, you know, come against us and it's saying that, that you're guilty and you deserve punishment, and, and what's your advocate, your attorney doing that you've paid? He's saying no, no, everything's fine. Right? Does it deserve punishment? He, he paid it all. It's it's taken care of, right? Well, as ridiculous as that analogy is, it's it's what we experience through salvation. That that there's there's an accuser that that's saying, man, we we deserve death and punishment and misery. And, and there's some truth to that, right? Because all of us sin, all of us have made mistakes. We're all guilty. But then Jesus is our advocate. And he's saying this, no, 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 they're not. No, they're not. That, that this has been dealt with. But not only is he our advocate, but he's also our judge saying, that's clear. It's done. It's over. Closes our case. And so he pleads our case before the father goes on in verse 2. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. That's pays for it. Pays for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. sins of all the world. I want us to do this. Um, I want us to take a moment. And and I get that we've all come in here with, with different things tonight. And we've all allowed those things at some point to weigh us down and convince us that we're not worthy. But I want you to spend just a moment with God, and I want you to to shut out the voice of the world, right? To shut out the accusations of the enemy and and lean into the voice of God. And right where you're at, I want you to remind yourself of the truth that we learned here in the beginning, that that who who can accuse us? No one, for God has given us right standing. Who can condemn us? No one. And so who can accuse you? Who can accuse me? No one. Who can condemn me? No one. Because we're chosen people. Just remind yourself, I'm chosen. I'm God's possession. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. Shut out the voice of the world and begin to embrace the voice of God. Father, I thank you for those that you've brought here tonight. Uh, Lord, I'm so grateful just to be able to seek you and to pursue you. And God, for this, the time that we have, uh, God, to recognize you as Lord. And Father, I pray for those that are here tonight. I, I pray that, that your voice would win out, God, against all the accusations of the world, all the accusations of their past, the condemnation, Lord, all of it. That, that through all of that, that your voice would become clear in their lives. That, that some would recognize maybe for the very first time that if they accept Jesus, Lord, that you deal with all of it, that you take it away, that you set them free. And, and those that, that have made that decision but have struggled up until this point, that did God really deal with it, that, God, that they would have a, a confidence in knowing that, that you did, that they're called, they're chosen, they're saved, and they're forgiven. And Lord, I pray that as they leave here, Tonight, God, as they go into their week, that no matter what they face or come against, that your voice would be the loudest in every situation, every decision, every moment. And that any time their past tries to, to drag itself up, God, that they would be reminded that you've dealt with that. And I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for their presence here tonight and the opportunity to pursue you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. To recap tonight, um, when dealing with our past, we need to remind ourselves of who we are. You are not your past mistakes. You're not your past choices, that that if you choose tonight, that you're just defined by Jesus. Number two, remind ourselves of what God has done. He's dealt with those things. He's justified you. He's made you right that if you accept him, that, that you're no longer penalized in God's sight for, for what's taken place. And number three, we need to remind ourselves of how Satan works. That it's not, it's not make believe. Those accusations, the condemnation, it, it comes from the accuser. And when you remind ourselves that those lies are from the enemy. Our action steps tonight, forgive yourself, forgive others. That things that we've done in our past, things that we've encountered, we got to begin to walk in forgiveness. Number two, remind yourself of the gospel daily. Daily. Wake up and remind yourself, God's dealt with this. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. Walk in newness of life and seek to follow him. Make him Lord. And then number three, write out a declaration of who God says you are and read it often. Again, the enemy will seek to drag your past up any opportunity you give them. And in those moments, you've got to be able to fight back and remind yourself of who God says you are. Everything we talked about tonight, it, it starts with a relationship with Jesus, that 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 changed story, <laughs> that forgiveness, being able to unhitch ourselves from who we were requires that we're born again. And, and that takes place through relationship with Jesus, where we realize we can't save ourselves. We believe that, that he was the son of God and, and that he died so we could be saved and forgiven. So our story could be changed. And then lastly, by making him Lord. And so if you're in here tonight, here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down front. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can make the best decision of your life. And it's to surrender to him, receive his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness through a relationship with Jesus. Number two, maybe you're in here and you've done that before, but you've gotten off track. And you wanna know, can I, can I recommit? Can I come back home? Absolutely. If you're in here and you need to, to recommit Our same offer stands here in just a moment. We're going to ask you to step out of your seat and come down front. And we'll have some people down here that would love to pray with you and for you. And then maybe there's something that God's been dealing with tonight. He's been reminding you that, hey, that right there, that attitude, that stronghold, that thought, I've dealt with that. And, And you're ready to let go of it. What we want you to do is here in just a moment to step out of your seats but come pick up one of these white chips There's nothing special about them, but when we act out of faith, I believe that God recognizes that, and that's what that is. Stepping out of your seat is an act of faith, trusting that when you get down here, God will supernaturally begin to deal with that in your life. And so we want to encourage you to come pick up a white chip. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. This is a house of prayer. It's a house of miracles, and and miracles start with prayer. And so maybe you need just prayer over something in your life. Well, we would love to pray with you. So for any of those things, to accept Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white ship, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to come down front. And if everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.